Welcome to this week's Hotel Analyst podcast, where, as usual, for the next 20 minutes or so, we'll mull over three topics of the moment in the hotel investment space. Uh, my name is Chris Bowne, the editor at Hotel Analyst, and I'm joined by Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst. And we're starting by this week having a look forward at what's likely to be going on in the hotel investment market over the coming months. We've seen uh, some economic shocks, so everyone's a bit worried about recession and downturn, cost of finances going up. And so it's a question really of uh, whether the quieter second half of last year in many markets is going to be repeated in the first half of this year, uh, or are things going to shift up a bit quicker than um, everything looked like it might have done a few weeks ago? Um, things are moving around. Uh, here in the UK, we've suddenly had uh, what was promised or threatened to be seven quarters of recession, now downgraded to four or five. Uh, it appears like our interest rates may have reached their peak mainly, maybe, or perhaps are close to their peak, whereas people were previously expecting them to go quite a bit higher. So the question is, um, all the people with bags of money, uh, the private equity players and so on, are they actually uh, going to get into the market quicker or are they going to sit on their hands for months to come? Uh, and uh, who else likes the look of the hotel space at the moment such that they'll perhaps jump in and see some opportunity and uh, the other question then is well is there going to be more opportunity later or is now the moment of opportunity it's uh, an interesting question and we'll be able to (laughs) work that one out in a year's time when we look back but for now uh, the brave are spotting opportunities and we've also uh, taken some soundings in the market and the feeling is well there's there's plenty of stuff going on it might not be big portfolio deals at the moment but there certainly uh, are transactions to keep the agents busy and that's not all just buying and selling uh, hotels some of it is actually kind of smarter ways of planning how you're going to refinance and keep your debts in check over the coming year or two yeah, we've got two stories in this week's uh, issue of Hotel Analyst Perspective, um, which are pretty much the same. And uh, do you know, Chris, I can't remember from our news meeting what we said we were actually covering, but they've turned out to be pretty, <laughs> <they're> covering <laughs> pretty, pretty much well, exactly the, the same ground. But, yeah, 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 well, yeah. I, I guess it is the issue of the hour. So um, uh, given that we're going to do both these stories um, in this podcast and we're going to be doing... Uh, this one now and the next one um, next Um, I think I ought to just divide this up into part one and part two in terms of commentary so let's have part one of the commentary so um, really for me I think this is going to be what's the the wider macro outlook and the wider sort of real estate investment outlook before we drill into the uh, specifics of hospitality Mm -hmm. um, in part two so the the wider piece i think for me was captured very well i went i toddled along to a dla piper's fifth international real estate summit mainly because i was a speaker at it i was in one of the breakouts <laughs> um talking about customers um but there um they had the great and the good of the real estate investment world um 
in london um chewing the fats chewing the cuds um around you know how things are um and they were quite a gloomy lot to be honest um it wasn't um, now i remember um as a boy reporter going in in my short trousers to various conferences in the early 1990s uh, um sort of hotel investment conferences and that was a very sorrow period as well but it wasn't quite as gloomy as that from what i can remember obviously it was a long while ago mm. but from what i what i um remember of that time when it was super gloomy it was sort of a bit gloomy but not quite as gloomy um was my my feel for that and in fact it was just more a concern we can't really get deals you know um you know it's it's looking a bit tough to get deals done at the moment as opposed to the 1990s when sort of the wheels were just generally seeming to be coming off um we're not in that stage um and not in that kind of level of gloom i don't think at the moment um but the the big issue um they everybody at this uh, generalist real estate investor summit had was debt pricing and they were um moaning the lot of debt um and how difficult it was to get some people saying i mean we had um in my commentary i sort of basically give a write-up of this um, event and i quote uh, natalie howard who's head of real estate debt to schroders and uh, her view was that well basically the banks have, have shut up shop for the time being and it's gonna take quite a while for this to change um um in her view um and even the alternative lenders which we've um we've been writing um and um speaking about for some time um on hotel analyst even they are she said a a number of them are no longer lending so that was very pessimistic um and you know the key thing obviously you know where you can find it is debt is now very much more expensive um and it's kind of you know there was this 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 bid ask spread and uh um natalie howard said well look uh, you know i think i'm lending at 50 percent loan to value but the borrowers think i'm lending it to them at 40 percent loan to value um that just reflects her outlook on where pricing is heading um compared to the borrowers um and there's David Matheson, who's uh, MD and head of real estate at Starwood Capital Group, and he gave an example of a logistics deal, a hypothetical logistics deal, which uh, a year ago um, might have been financed to say 55% loan to value with an all-in financing cost of 3.5%. Um, today, that same deal is going to cost you double that. So this is, you know, a big height hike in debt costs um we know that much i mean we've been talking about this for some time and we know that that is the case um i mean i did like a line actually masson had um which was people are believing in immaculate disinflation which i thought (laughs) was quite quite clever um but um you know and then we're seeing big changes and uh p jim's philip barrett um his global head of business and investment operations um he said you know he was having to educate his staff on you know what it's like in a world where we no longer have free money you know when you could borrow at effectively a, a almost zero cost um it's a very uh, in real terms um it, 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 it this is a very different uh, environment but he said look 
you know we leverage is a tool it's not the answer never has been um and you have to look back at history and he pointed out back in 1990 the yield for 10-year gilts government uk government bonds was above 12 percent um well wow you know um we're not heading to that level mm. of um um, increase in debt pricing um, you know it, it is still by any measure pretty low um, you know in the bottom certainly the bottom quartile of historic debt pricing if you if you look at the post-war period so um, you know uh, it, it's not that gruesome actually and we were able to do deals you know pr prior to the um, 2008 crash and the you know zero interest rates um, we will be able to do deals when interest rates go back to as they have more normalized levels I would argue so it it's um, yeah I, I think interestingly the the most optimistic outlook at this uh, summit was from um, Martin Brule um, who is uh, chief investment officer at Union Investment um, an organization many listeners will know um, pretty well and he, he thought well look actually you know there's so much money around that debt will come back quicker than people currently think and I would largely agree with that that perspective and it's you've got this kind of standoff in a way between you've got this huge weight of money where people are paid to deploy they're going to deploy um, that's the top and bottom of it they are favoring credit they are favoring you know putting money out in terms of loans at the moment moment but that will change too and we will see but probably that will probably take a year or two for that to really get the equity piece to get going but the the credit piece i think will will start unsticking quite soon and it's going to be um i i, I don't think you know my own um take on this whole position is it it's well as any regular listener will know um, i'm more optimistic than is the sort of current fashion um and uh, I, I think the key though um and this is going back to something that uh, p jims barrett pointed out um is that you know control the controllables in the cliche um and you know you can't really do a lot about the macro environment it is what it is but what real estate investors can think about is the occupational markets and you know which bit of the of of real estate are you investing in and here i think there's a big 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 difference between where we were as a sector in terms of hospitality in the 1990s where we were seen as the untouchables and nobody wanted to come near us and where we are today where we are the apple of many an eye and um, I, I think it's very positive for hospitality um, and hospitality has rarely if ever looked so comparatively good as it does today. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as I've just been casting my eye over a couple of sets of results today, um, there seems to be cash coming in in quite a decent fashion from those invested in the or those involved in the hotel business right now. So, oh, cash flow. Yeah, yeah it's coming back. It's trading is super good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I suppose yes. The, the big question then is, um, are we going to get some? Um, some deals this year is when when are people like Blackstone and Star Capital coming back in and um, uh, is there going to be much distress uh, but the people I was speaking to this week focusing more, much more now on the hotel market uh, we're, we're talking about um, really arranging clever interesting different deals to do with debt 
Um, and uh, one of the things that uh, that struck, struck us as quite an interesting deal was that uh, you've got uh, M&G have lent a substantial amount of money, £200 million, pounds, to um, Vivian Investments uh, on a, a refinancing that covers some of their UK hotel investments. Um, and th- that's a case where apparently this lender's got appetite for more in the market uh, because they feel comfortable with the UK hotel market. They see it as, as delivering over the medium term and not at all risky. So you know, there are there are new entrants coming into the lending market just as you know, some think the, the banks have pretty much closed up shop. Yeah, that credit piece, it's, that's very much, uh, yeah, uh, a, a changed environment, but um, it's not entirely negative. Um, it's just it's just significantly different to how it's been for the last few years. And the positive of that, I think, you've got to um, accept is that the, the, the end of the free money period meant that you had this sort of zombification of much of, um, you know, many... Um, um, players out there and you know thankfully these are going to go now and uh, it, it's going to be a better environment I would argue actually to get on and uh, make some money um, without these 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 sort of staggering companies um, being propped up artificially so I think I think it's quite positive and now we're now we're into part two of our mm-hmm. uh, of our outlook I mean I did I wheeled out that terrible cliche the Yogi Berra one um where um that predictions are hard especially about the future <laughs> and it, it you know it it is particularly tricky right now and um the the thing is you know why is it so tricky i um, mean you know, uh we reported a few weeks ago um on um an owners conference where they were saying it's never been so difficult to you know for to to make budgets as it has been at least they couldn't remember a harder time to make budgets and uh, um, it when you have an inflection point when you have a turn um, it is spectacularly tricky to to put into your your business plan where things are going to go because you've got so many different things shifting whereas if you've got kind of like you know where we were post 2008 2009 it was just sort of this this dismal gloom (laughs) we had for for nearly 10 15 years where we just carried on grinding away um well that's that thank goodness is over now um and we are in a different world um and and and, but but you can't rely you know back then 2010 um was a good predictor on what 2011 was going to look like and 2011 would be a good predictor on what 2012 was going to look like and sure you had you know things coming in and going out um you know whether it was a eurozone crisis and all this kind of stuff but fundamentally it what it looked the the shape and nature of you know what was going on was similar year to year um it's not going to be like that i don't think um and this is this is some you know we're seeing some radically different um um out you know so we are seeing some big changes um so we've already touched on the you know one of the most obvious things which is the whole interest rate situation so debt costs has changed money costs money again and that does infect um affect the investment climate and what gets money and what doesn't get 
money. Um, I think the most important aspect of that is that you know the, the the sort of hope values have you know have increased markedly the cost on that. Um, so which is why we're seeing this correction in the debt in the tech sector because those you know those hopes of this one day make things pay um well actually that 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 is much more expensive now that that money being put out to work on the basis of that one day this will be this will make some cash that is now more expensive because you know you could stick it in a bank account and it will get um a significant amount of money now um whereas it wouldn't make anything at all um even as little as a year ago so i think that has caused a major change that interest rate thing so that that's one part um a second part is the whole geopolitical thing has has shifted i mean obviously with the whole ukraine invasion by russia i mean that's the most obvious example of that but i think a bigger thing to worry about is the relationship with china and in particular the people's republic of china and its overlords in the in the chinese communist party um that 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 relationship between the west um and china is is going to be a source of concern for many years ahead um and it's it, it you know i hope it will take a you know a fairly benign um path um but it is going to be a more tense path that's the without a you know without a shadow of doubt and i think you know i think the good news is we've got china coming back now and we've got it traveling but that relationship with the west is going to be tricky and it's going to be a tricky one for uh you know the western companies how they play it i mean the good news i suppose from a um a global hotel brand major is that they are franchising and they have got you know so in terms of their actual exposure there in terms of assets is very limited um so that that's a good thing and i think they need to stick with that i certainly don't think you'd want to be you know putting uh, buying property in china right now um now the final thing so that's an, another major shift and the final thing i list is a thing which we've sort of touched on repeatedly um on this podcast and in our event the uh, operational real estate festival which by the way as we've just formally announced the date on 26th of september um this year back at the uh Pullman st pancras um um but what we touch on there is that this rise of the experience economy um, and this is the transition that is a long-term trend so if you think about the move from an agrarian to an industrial economy which um, radically transformed the world and you know britain became the the leading global power in the 19th century as a result of that and then in the 20th century we saw the rise of the service economy and this really coincided with the u.s becoming the the the, the global power in that period uh, in particular thanks to its technological innovation and i think today we're seeing a similar shift in the 21st century taking place which is the you know where the primary the, the main thing that's happening is the sale of experiences rather than goods or services 
Um, and the great news for us as a sector, for travel, tourism and hospitality, we're at the forefront of this. We're at the cutting edge of this experience economy piece. Um, and, it, you know, this is not something which is just for this year or f even just for this decade, but it, it's going to be a feature, a defining feature of this century. Um, and our industry um, the travel tourism and hospitality industry is at the heart of this transformation in global economies now we're going to switch on to having a talk about what's going on with the uh, third-party hotel managers they look to be coming out of the pandemic with uh, plans to uh, certainly all of them plans to grow grow their market market presence um, and probably coming off the back of some realisation amongst owners that uh, they perhaps ought to be sweating their assets a bit more. Uh, also some more structural shifts in terms of uh, ownership structure, certainly across uh, certain parts of Europe. And uh, it's that change in, in Iberia that has prompted uh, Ambridge EMEA to uh, fire a couple of investors to help them get into the market there, where they see uh, far more... Um, investment focused uh, buyers coming into the market from the US, uh, from UK and from Europe, taking over what for many years has been perhaps a, uh, a hotel markets dominated by large family ownerships. So that shift is, is probably going to deliver far more branded hotels in future, but it does mean that these new owners coming in are looking for third party managers that uh, can, can take a hold of things and really sweat the asset for them. So uh, interesting times, they'll all be battling it out. Um, and meanwhile, others are into more daring territories. Um, Valor Hospitality's recently signed to uh, open its, or look after its first hotel in Pakistan, the Hyatt Regency in Lahore. Um, and of course, we've also got uh, who are busily signing up hotels in Africa. So interesting times for the third party managers as they look to expand their international empires. Yeah, very much so. And, uh, you know, I think it's worth revisiting what's going on here. Um, and this is a, a pretty fundamental shift in how um, the sector's organised. Now, um, it, it's really a focus. What, what, what we're seeing here is the rise of operations as a critical pillar of value within the hotel business. Well, you know, you say, oh, well, we've always <laughs> known that. Um, up to a point, we've always known that. The, the problem is it's somewhat hidden um, between the brand piece and the real estate piece. And it wasn't entirely clear, you know, what was going on um, in operations. And I think, so you've got the three pillars of value within the business. You've got the brand piece, the brand distribution piece. You have the um, operations piece and the real estate piece. Um, and this is really an acknowledgement of the importance of that middle one. Um, and, you know, we're seeing, so we've had, the, you know, we had the separation of the brand operations from the real estate because that, that was, it was felt that, you know, that the, there wasn't enough focus on the two, you know, the two separate uh, uh, enterprises, um, the two separate groups of drivers to, to deliver value in those in those two areas of business one on the real estate one on the operations brand but the operations brand can also be confused i think um as well um and in fact the operations bit is more clearly linked i'd suggest to the to the real estate piece and 
where you, an example where you've got a clear conflict of interest is where you've got a brand company and it's got a priority to keep a, a widespread distribution of flags um well you know that real estate investment bit that operations bit is going to be sacrificed um you know um in favor of maintaining that brand piece um so that's a clearly why you had to have the bricks and brains split there and now we're seeing and we've mentioned this this alliterative uh, phrase a few times which is the bricks the brawn and the brains split the real estate the operations and the brand piece all being separated out um it's not a one-size-fits-all solution um there are times clearly when real estate ownership and brand development benefit from an integrated model um, citizen m brookfields eden these are good examples of that but there are equally times when it does make sense to pull it apart um, to have a franchise to have an operating company and to have a separate real estate owner um, and you know the rise and rise of this i mean our, our piece is centered on hvs report um looking at that um issue um and i think you know they show clearly in their data there how you know we've seen more and more uh third-party management coming coming into europe um, and following the example of the us now the us is is the the most advanced hotel market globally it's the most sophisticated one and you know this this third party management piece has, has really gained traction there um, and it's gaining increased traction in europe the uk leading the way eurozone following up and you've mentioned chris mm. we've got africa coming in and uh, other other territories as well and and asia to an extent coming through um and and so it's a you know a very exciting time i think for 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 this this the, the, you know the third party management now it's piece. time for our five star and no star awards and i don't think i ever thought i'd be saying this five stars to u.s president joe biden he's launched the junk fee <laughs> Pre prevention act uh this is a consumer oriented act and it's promising to do away with uh extra fees that consumers are suddenly bunged with when they get on a get to book a plane trip and discover that to get all four of the families sitting together it's going to cost them another $80 uh, but in the hotel sector the big uh, bugbear for certainly for American um, hotel guests is resort fees or sometimes they're called amenity fees or other fees but basically you get to the hotel you think you've booked at whatever price and then suddenly you're commanded you're going to be you're going to be taken for another 20% extra for a resort fee which is apparently to pay for the amenities that you thought you were already getting so so five stars to Joe absolutely and I think this um, we could do Ooh, a bit of politics okay. now Chris which I always try and avoid but I, I would say it represents a shift in terms of the, the what's going on in politics at the moment it's always historically been about the clash of producers so it, it's about the unions versus the capitalists you know the boss class if you like and that's historically where we've got this sort of left right spectrum comes from and either more redistribution or less redistribution this, this is where the sort of you know the battleground has been for for politics but i think what biden's capturing here very much is that it's now consumers that matter 
um, or increasingly consumers that matter. And he's very much parking his tanks on this area. And, um, you know, as, as another aside, I would suggest one of the things that uh, got some of the best traction during the um, Brexit debate um, was the, the piece of saying, well, look, actually what we've done in terms of the European Union, um, in terms of the roaming fees, um, that, that got... I, I would say that that was when I just generally mm-hmm. anecdotally talking to people that was something which they said oh yeah the EU did a good job sorting that out for us and I, I think those sort of consumer interventions and clearly I think if you're talking about that you you know you can only do that mm. as big blocks if you're talking about the European Union for example I mean it's a bit like what they're trying to do with um, uh, the USB-C things um, which I'm rather more mixed on to be frank but um but you can only have those sort of interventions on the, on those big trading block pieces. So it's quite interesting how that 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 got traction there. And I can really see this consumer piece being the the um, political um, battlefield. Right, and it's no future. stars for uh, taking a bath. We've got news this week of two major investors who've uh, had to suffer a substantial haircut as they disposed of, uh, of hotel assets that haven't really quite worked out for them. One was the Norwegian group. Uh, how are we going to say this? Looks like it's Venus who had to dispose of a, a substantial portfolio of hotels they had built up in Russia. Um, and that's that commanded a uh, all sorts of haircuts from the Russian government. And also the German investor Decker, who has uh, withdrawn from uh, a Marriott hotel it bought in New York again suffering a substantial loss yeah i think it would be a misread to see either of these as a result of you know this is signs of uh, repricing in the market i mean clearly the norwegian exit from russia is down to uh, the invasion um and really can't read anything at all um in terms of the pricing for that um but even the marriott piece i mean this was a hotel that's been shut for a couple of years and there's all sorts of shenanigans going on fallings out um, um and that has led to that i'm, I'm sure there has been an element of repricing in that and that Decker wants to get shot of it as quickly as possible um, um, but you know the point we made earlier um, holds true um, that money now costs money and whereas perhaps a year ago um, as little as a year ago something like this might be sort of shoved off into the long grass mm. it now has to be dealt with and I think we're going to see more and more of these things being dealt with over the next year or two next and year on that side note, we'll say goodbye for now Oh.